Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. As the NZSO celebrates its 75th anniversary, we're asking 10 New Zealanders to choose a piece of music that sparks an emotional connection. And we're pairing them with 10 musicians from the NZSO who have their own intimate understanding of how the music works. Initially, it was just me mucking about on my synthesizers. (laughs) doing these demos which ended up by being really great demos you know and caused in a way the the whole thing to be able to have a life with the real orchestra I don't want to say I love you that would give away too much well I knew that I would need certain key people involved and I knew that it would be great to have Neil and Tim involved just from a vibe and then Dave Dobbin jumped on and um, Annie Crummer and Sam Hunt. To be detached and precious The only thing you feel is vicious Eddie Rayner played keyboards in legendary rock band Split Ends. In 1995, he was the creative force behind the Enzo Project, a musical collaboration between the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra and a roster of well-known singers performing new arrangements of Split End songs, including the band's 1984 hit, Message to My Girl. It was actually fairly close to the demo I'd done, so I, there was no surprises for me other than the kind of feel that the orchestra has in itself, the feel that it has. The sound was pretty much the same as my um, demos that I'd done at home, which was great. I don't want to say I want you Even though I want you so much So it's got a certain kind of sound about it, but the orchestra itself, I was completely blown away by the sort of magnificence of it. Yeah, standing right in the middle of it, it was an experience like no other that I'd ever had before. From Bird of Paradise, the NZSO and RNZ, this is Crescendo. Rainer, the genesis of the Enzo project was simple musical curiosity. Then I'd been sort of wondering for many years about what split ends would sound like in, a, in that context, in a symphonic context. And I guess that's kind of informed by the fact that I, I'd been using synthetic strings and synthetic orchestral sounds for years and in split ends in my parts that I played on the split end songs, you know. So I'd, I'd often wondered what it would be like if it was translated to real 
instruments played by a real orchestra. And as I say, I've always been drawn, uh, you know, towards um, soundscapes, big majestic soundscapes, and with synthesizers, you know, you were able to do that. But I love the big sort of majestic sound. I love, I love a big expansive sound, you know, keyboards-wise I'm talking about. So orchestral sound just, just became a natural part of what I kind of tried to, in a way, emulate with my synthesizers. NZSO Associate Concertmaster and First Violin Donald Armstrong had just come back to New Zealand from France when the Enzo project was coming together in the mid-90s. He remembers there being a buzz around the prospect of a collaboration with Split Ends from the start. They were sort of zany in their time. You know, they were really unusual. But they also wrote just brilliant songs. I mean, you know, the songs, they're, they're all ones we know and love to this day. You know, I think the songwriting's probably kept them going, but at the time they had this whole weird look and and it was, you know, it was quite zany and unusual in its time. But the project came with real challenges for Eddie Rayner. I really needed some advice in that area because I didn't know anything about the orchestra. I had no idea. I don't think I'd ever seen an orchestra, you know, in in a way other than coincidentally an orchestra happened to be in the hall I was at or something, you know. As I was walking by, I might have heard an orchestra, but I'd never gone to see an orchestra. I had a lot of learning to do really quickly. I sort of play it, um, you know, I did a little bit of research into what, you know, the various sections of an orchestra comprise of, you know, what a bassoon sounds like and what the ranges are, you know, from the bottom note to the highest note. And I got that wrong sometimes, uh, but I was soon put right and we, we sorted it out once I sent it to the copyist because I don't read music or write it. And having a copyist put it onto paper and then the next step is to hear the orchestra play it is quite mind-blowing to hear it sound the same as what it was when I first played it on the keyboard. No, I think he figured out sort of how he wanted it to sound and then he sat down with the orchestral arranger and he probably sort of, I want this kind of thing and I'd like this to be woodwinds or something. And then the arranger would do the detail. Um, oh, this might be a nice flute solo to start the piece. So the arranger would figure out and put the accompanying instruments. So he'd have the, you could have head of the sort of artistic vision. I mean, back then, that was 96, that was really right at the start of computer music. And so all of the files I did, I think I did it on, the whole orchestra was done on one meg floppy disk. (laughs) They were called MIDI files and it was just, you know, very, very primitive. 
But you know, look, that artistic vision is rare and, and incredibly cool. I mean, it wouldn't have happened without Eddie. You know what I mean? The whole Enzo thing. You just have to take your hat off to the, the people that have that kind of vision. When the Enzo project was first proposed, the symphony orchestra were already adept at mixing classical with other genres. We'd done these Ron Goodwin tours, you know, every year um, where we played movie music and light music and things. And the orchestra had done an awful lot of light music. And Avalon used to be here. We were all out there all the time um, playing backings for, you know, TV shows and things like that. It was very part of our normal thing to do backing for pop group kind of stuff. But for the members of Split Ends, hearing the orchestral version of their songs for the first time was rather a shock. I was quite taken aback. I've never been that comfortable sort of in big, you know, swathes of people. But I think it was a 92-piece orchestra and they're all pretty amazing musicians. And as I say, I didn't know anything about the orchestra at all. And just to stand, you know, on the first day, we, we all arrived at Tory Street. Um, they had a, a rehearsal space at that point in the basement of a big office building and it was a horrific sound. It was like a garage you know, it was that kind of very um, bathroomy, almost echo sound, reverb sound. And I think at one point, Neil Finn was quite uncomfortable with the feel of it. He said, "It's um, I'm not sure whether it's overblown and pompous, I think, were the two words he used. I saw this interview in the movie they, they made of it, and I heard Neil Finn interviewed, and he said, yeah, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm, I don't know if the original songs are better done that way. And I thought, my God. What kind of promo is that, you know? But I, I sort of just thought, no, these guys are amazing musicians and I'm sure they're not going out of their way to make it bad or to make it not the way we want it. They're doing their best to play this music in the way that the music is instructing them, you know, in the way that the conductor is, is conducting them. So let's just go with it, you know. In fact, playing arrangements of split-end songs was much less challenging than the orchestra's normal repertoire, as Donald Armstrong recalls. Yeah, they just play along. You know, a lot of the time you're holding chords while they're doing their thing, and, you know, good arrangers do interesting things. It's a bit hard looking back to remember exactly on those things, but normally those sort of backing things are pretty easy. And it hasn't been till quite recently that I've gone back and listened to that first album again and, and thought, wow, it's seriously orchestral in its feel. It kind of, it's, it does sort of, as I say, it sort of lumbers along. It's sort of like a, a jelly <laughs> that's sort of, it's sort of falling down the stairs, you know. But in that, it's kind of quite wonderful and it's just a completely different representation of those songs. It sort of gave them a new life, which was really cool, and brought them to an, you know, the same old audience, but also perhaps another kind of wider audience. Maybe even some classical buffs came along to it, you know, which is really good. It really was just a wonderful time. Yeah, that, that's all I remember. I was young, I loved the orchestra, and that was seeing these guys on stage, you know, and part of the early split ends magic, you know, we sort of all became a part of that. 
but I never thought twice about it, really. I just thought, hey, I'll have a go at doing this. And doing those demos was the secret. That was the secret. Hearing orchestral demos, albeit done on, on synthesizers, gave it a life that it would never have got if I'd just mentioned the idea to Neil. If I'd said to Neil, hey, I want to do a Splitian's orchestral record, he would have gone, yeah, whatever, you know, do your best. And it just would never, never have happened. But it was those demos that, that brought it to life. Crescendo was presented by me, Clarissa Dunn. Produced and written by Noel McCarthy for Bird of Paradise Productions, with a sound mix by Mark Chesterman. Kakite anō.